you know, the reason they, they like reading my stuff is that I've always got real life examples to prove what I'm saying. There's a lot of good people that listen to this podcast. You know, other than God and my family, deer hunting would be next in line on my list of priorities. From the bottom of our hearts, it's it's just fantastic and awesome to uh, to have the support that you guys are getting. People ask me about expandable broadheads and love swings. <laughs> Chasing Giants with Don Higgins and Terry Peer. Brought to you by Osseo Camo, nature's most lethal camouflage. Follow along as Don and Terry discuss the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Well, welcome everyone to Chasing Giants episode 98. Don and I are in his new trophy room. He's got moved into his new house, and we're trying to be high-tech rednecks for you guys who watch on YouTube and want to watch for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why people want to watch us, even listen to us, but... I don't either, and I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It might take us 100 episodes to get this all figured out, but I sp- eventually we'll get there. I spent, uh, I spent almost two hours on the phone with Steve Shields, uh, him coaching me how to boot up a computer, much less... Uh, adobe uh premiere to try to edit these things and get the sound regulated but be patient with us we're trying to improve this um you know when we get back to where i'm in kentucky and you're in illinois the format of where we're setting down at our computers and sharing screens of property or trail camera pictures of deers and i think that's where the secret the the better tools that we're going to be providing but i'm actually in illinois this weekend there's cold front coming in tonight and tomorrow. Um, I'm up here hunting, trying to uh, fill my bow tag. So uh, we're just on camera tonight. So we um, we do, um, uh, for those you just heard in the opener, uh, we got to go ahead and talk about it now. We, we brought on a new um, primary sponsor for the podcast, Osseo Gear. Um, just super great people, Joe Miles. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let Don tell a little bit of the story, but it's it's going to be an awesome partnership to continue to grow this platform and podcast. Yeah, Joe Miles approached uh, me well, more than a year ago, actually, um, about sponsoring the podcast, and we already had Vengeance Camo, and uh, you know we reached out to Vengeance, uh, you know, towards the end of uh, 2021, and you know they were not interested in uh, taking it to the next level, so. Uh, it kind of opened the door for Joe, and we actually, uh, both you and I bought Osseo Gear clothing um, before, right before season to test this year uh, when we learned that Vengeance wasn't interested. And, uh, you know, so I don't want anybody to think that we just jumped ship and uh, we left Vengeance high and dry. It was pretty much their call. Well, and, and, uh, and to clarify that a little bit more, uh, really, Vengeance, we did, Don did that deal. I never even got a vengeance set of camo um one of our uh partners um was starting a new business and you did it as a favor to him to help him grow his brand you actually shot mel in um all the recovery footage and all that in that produced video was in vengeance so um hope he got a bunch of great exposure out of that but you know outside of you getting a uh prototype the first year uh, suit of vengeance that's really the only thing we were just doing it as a friend and 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 that's part of who we are with this podcast exactly. if, if we can use this platform to help something with a friend or somebody we believe in uh, we're going to do that but uh, just wasn't the right fit and um, you know we we told joe uh, flat out you know we're we're not doing anything until we wear this a hunting season i immediately fell in love with the backpack and did a video on that and uh, you know as we started wearing it 
um, the thing that I noticed, not only do I love the pattern of that camo, um, the way it fits me, um, you know, being 6'1", 245, um, I need, I need a certain size, but when I go up to say, um, an NXL, I always wear sick cut. An XL is like built for someone actually in shape and it never fit me in an XL. So I'd have to go to a two X and then I'd have all this garbled, you know, bulge of, mm-hmm. of clothing when I was sitting in a tree stand around my gut. Uh, the fit of Osseo is made for tree stand hunters and, you know, from the long tail in the back where you're not showing plumber butt to, uh, the sleeve length, the pockets are in the perfect spot. Um, you even, you even notice something, you know, with you comparing to your Sitka about the zippers. Yeah. And and I want to stress that, you know, we wish vengeance, nothing but the best. Right. And, uh, but with this Osseo, you know, I'd worn Sitka in the past, and I actually had to send my Sitka bibs back to have zippers repaired. I just didn't feel the zippers in those were, were near heavy enough, especially in the legs and the bibs. And one of the first things I noticed with Osseo was the quality of their zippers was superior, yep. without any doubt. I also, uh, the sleeves on the on the jacket, I, I like how those sleeves fit. Um Joe and his team did a fantastic job designing this clothing. When, when the clothing's designed, um, for those of you who don't or follow Joe Miles, you need to follow him because he is an absolute whitetail killer. Um, I can't wait to have him on the podcast to tell a few stories. He's killed deer everywhere and big deer at that. Um, but he saw his goal and mission of designing this camo. It's a saturated market already, but he felt that no one was designing something for tree stand hunters. And that's a backpack, that's clothing. Uh, we're going to be featuring different ways to uh, to tell you guys about it. We think it's a valuable resource for those of you looking for camo. And uh, I'll play. This is going to be a sample of just one of the pieces that we're going to be playing for Osseo this year. Osseo Gear introduces a premium line of bow hunting gear that is unmatched. Pairing nature's finest camouflage with the best technological innovations, Osseo Gear brings whitetail bow hunters the gear they need to be the best at their craft. The unique camouflage mimics the intricate feather pattern of North America's greatest predatorial creatures. Designed for invisibility, built for comfort, and engineered for function. Visit OsseoGear.com. That's A-S-I-O-Gear.com to start shopping. Osseo Gear, prepare to be invisible. So we'll be talking more about that and obviously having Joe Miles from Osseo Gear on the podcast here and there. Um, he's going to be able to provide a lot of insight, not only from the camo side, but also whitetail hunting. You know, for those of you sitting back saying, uh oh, what happened to Biofarm? Biofarm is still a, uh, a very um, important partner of this podcast, and we're going to consider them our founding partner. They're the ones that actually helped get us rolling uh, the first, the first uh, year and a half, two years. Right. And uh, we're, we got some spe- special stuff planned for for um, for Biofarm. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Biofarm's still with us, um, just as they have been from the beginning. But, you know, when, in the past, I've read a, a Biofarm property of the week. And, uh, you know, I would go to the Biofarm website, and I would pick out a property that I thought would appeal to our audience and feature that property. Well, we're going to start doing things a little different. We're going to have – there's four owners of Biofarm. Um Wayne uh, Keller, Don Bailey, Mark Kennedy, and Todd Hewing. And those guys are going to kind of take turns uh, coming on and featuring their own properties. Um, Instead of, I mean, nobody knows the properties better than they do. So instead of me uh, talking about a property I've never seen before, these guys are going to be featuring their own listings and also uh, 
you know, if they don't have a listing, they may be talking about something like CRP signups or or financing right. uh, for a hunting property, things like that to help the listener in that regard. Yeah, so we're going to try to transition and grow the buy farm relationship to be more tools even for those looking for property or maybe, um, you know, opportunities to finance interest rates. You know, do I lease it for ag? Do I turn it into to a CRP program? So buy a farm still with us. We appreciate them. And then uh, obviously, um, you know, when I talk about Chris Yates and Victory Chevrolet, it's undoubtedly the best deal on diesel trucks that you're ever going to find. Um, we just ordered our replacement trucks because, you know, it takes a little while to get them in. But um, when I when I think about Chris Yates, it's not even about the deal it's about Chris Yates, the person, and one of the biggest supporters of the Lester's Feet Foundation and his own uh, contributions in his local community through uh, some food banks and different ministry outreaches that he have. Um, I like doing business with people who are like Chris Yates, just yeah. flat out. He's a first-class person, and, you know, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to do business with him or just, you know, talk to him on the phone. Um, always positive. Um, Always looking out for the other guy. Yep. Nothing ever is self-serving with Chris. Just a fantastic person. Yeah, So, and he ships trucks all over the country. So if you're interested in, in not only a program on these diesel trucks like we do, uh, we'd be happy to put you in touch with Chris Yates. You'll notice that some of our sponsors, um, like 360 Hunting Blinds, one of the one of the things we have as a uh, that we try to have with our partners is also something that we can extend as a benefit to – um, our other outreaches, which is the real world, or excuse me, the Higgins Outdoors Masterclass and your consulting clients. Right. And uh, 360 Hunting Blinds is one of those uh, partners that is still on with us, but then we can kind of continue that um, yep. outreach to um, our listeners and or the consulting clients that you have. Excuse me. Yeah, right. Uh, the consulting clients and the Masterclass students both get a discount on 360 Hunting Blinds. Uh, those have to be purchased through Higgins Outdoors. But, uh, you know, that's just something that we're passing along uh, to those who support us. And obviously, Real Wildlife Products, we, mm -hmm. we, we kind of know a guy that works there, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Wes, is, Wes is supporting us in this venture, I guess, even though we talk bad about him all the time. Yeah, Real World <laughs> Wildlife Products, you know, that's uh, all the consulting clients and the master class students get a discount uh, with Real World Wildlife Products, so. Yeah, and uh, Matthews, let's talk about Matthews for a little bit. Um, neither one of us have had another product outside of the Matthews platform in who knows how many years and not even considered one. Um, it's important to us to align ourselves with people that, that challenge us. And, you know, uh, Matt McPherson, the owner of Matthews, is the is one of the key people who's who's shown and led by leader example about how you use your platform, your companies whatever to do good in other places even though he doesn't brag about it the the outreach ministries that they do at matthews are second to none yeah and we've kind of modeled ourselves after that uh you know you, you do good things with the blessings you're given and you'll be blessed more right who much is given much is expected yeah and and the name novix is going to be new to a lot of people who are listening but that's actually the same company and organization as the original lone wolf tree stands and you know, we might have their management team on if, if they're willing to, but um, a situation's happened in their business where they've had to rebrand. And as of today, 
Uh, they are going under the name of Novix. So one of the important things to us is obviously the loyalty, the friendships. Uh, our job for them this year is to make sure people understand that the Made in the USA, the same quality that they got to know with the original Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stand brand is now under the Novix name. And not only is it one of the highest quality tree stands on the market, but the people behind it right. are high quality people. Um, if if you're looking for a company to support when you're buying a tree stand, these guys are, like you said, Terry, it's American-made products, but first-class people again. Right. Um, wildlifefarming.com, we brought those guys on last year. Uh, these are the people that Don can actually, through Higgins Outdoors and um, with your consulting clients, be able to offer the Genesis drill right. um, as a tool for, for those. But they have a ton of other attachments and dealers all over the country. So it's not just... Uh, the drills, which is the main reason that, mm -hmm. you know, we try to offer that as an extension to save your clients money, um, but also just to, uh, you know, provide another resource. Tractor implements, anything tractor is hard to get right now. Prices are going up. These guys are awesome about trying to get you the the most cost-effective option for you, but get it to you through their list of dealers around the United States. And they've got thousands of products. It's not just the Genesis drill, like you mentioned, Terry. Literally thousands of products. Right. So go to wildlifefarming.com. Quiet Cat has come back on for this year. And, you know, if, if we really stop and think about the, the main topic we have with this podcast, it's, it's, it's reducing human intrusion. And the Quiet Cat bike is probably one of the key tools that people can use to do that. And Quiet Cat is even stepping up and not only sponsoring the podcast, but going to be offering some cost savings uh, benefits to um, the master class attendees and your consulting clients also. Right. I mean, it, here's the product that'll take you to your hunting spot pretty much silent without leaving ground scent. I mean, two of the biggest things that are going to bust deer it is noise and scent, and uh, the Quiet Cat helps eliminate those. Yep, and no changes with Vortex. Don, you've been with Vortex I don't know how long from when they were the first little 10 by 10 booth in the very back of the ATA mm -hmm. show um, to now where they have probably one of the most well-known brands in the shooting and optics industry. So we're, we're very pleased to – Vortex uh, staying with us from the very beginning also. So really there hasn't been a lot of change outside of Osseo coming on, but there's one other new sponsor that, that we have, and it's just going to be a vital tool to those land management uh, projects for people, and that's Gingrich t Tree Farms. Yeah, Jay and Loretta Gingrich have come on board in Gingrich Tree Farm, and uh, I'm sure we'll have Jay on to talk about trees, you know, sometime this spring. But uh, – it's more than just a tree farm. I mean, these guys, they, they grow shade and landscape trees. They grow um, evergreen trees. They grow potted trees. They do CRP and conservation tree plantings with bare root seedlings. They they plant tens of thousands of miscanthus rhizomes every spring. Uh, they go in, they do, um, you know, timber stand improvements, cutting the, the timber, just a long list of projects that these folks do. Uh, you know, I send a lot of my clients, my consulting clients, to Jay because, uh, you know, a lot of them just don't have the time to get it done. Uh, but Jay and his crew will come in and do a fantastic job. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we, we've been praying about this. You know, we still are very committed to serving the hunting community 
not being bought by the hunting industry. And it's a delicate balance where, you know, we, we do want to use the sponsors to help provide content to all of you all, uh, make it entertaining, make it better quality. Um, but the people that we choose, it's not just the highest bidder. So, um, you know, we haven't had really any changes except for bringing on Osseo and, and Gingrich tree farm. And, um, it's just, we have just a very solid group of they're partners, but they're friends. And, um, and that's the most important thing to us. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there has been other companies, competing companies with our sponsors <laughs> try to, to come on board. And we certainly appreciate that, uh, the opportunity and for them thinking, you know, so much of us that they wanted to be a part of this. But, uh, when, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to loyalty and, uh, you know, loyalty means a heck of a lot to me personally. Right. And, uh, I, I'm willing to give up money and it doesn't matter if it's a sponsor or a friend. I, I sometimes I'm loyal to a fault. And I uh, would, you, I would agree you, with that. I'll tell you my wife, I guarantee you'll agree with you. <laughs> and, uh, but, but these companies that are with us today, you know, it's just been, uh, you know, I just feel they're the kind of quality people that we want to be teamed with. Well, um, you know, we wanted to take a couple minutes at the beginning of this episode and, and let people know, because we, we ask you guys to pray for us about it as we kind of navigated this. Uh, but this episode's going to run a little long because this guy sitting beside me, I can, I can tell you people, I've been with him all day. And he's about ready to uncork on about three, three, three different rants, maybe five, maybe ten. It's going to go longer than an hour today, uh, which will be fun. But um, you know, and even afterwards, we're going to at the end of the podcast for those watching, we're going to pan around his trophy room and show all of his deer heads. Uh, so make sure you stick around for that. But you know, we we got to, now that we got this sponsor discussion out of the way, I got to immediately turn to your Iowa <laughs> no trip. Because um, you had steam coming out your ears when I found out about it a couple hours later. And then even when I got up here yesterday, you were still kind of toked off about it. Yeah, I was uh, on a little <laughs> consulting trip this week. And uh, one one night I stayed in Florissant, Missouri. I don't know if I said it right, but uh, it, it's a suburb of St. Louis. And uh, came out the next morning and... Uh, my truck had been broken into somebody busted the window out they stole a gun they stole my rain gear and they stole my work clothes my you know carhartt bibs carhartt jacket and you know i was telling somebody that you know the, the positive thing about all this terry is that i employed a democrat <laughs> you know, I, I gave work clothes to a democrat and then i gave him a gun the tool he needs to go out and make a good living so uh, you know you just got to look on the positive side. You know, somebody breaks in your truck, steals your gun and your work clothes. I, I know the guy doesn't have a job, so he's not. I just employed the guy, a Democrat. Joe Biden would be proud of me. I, I took one of his voters and I gave him a job. I wasn't expecting that to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a little confused at why somebody would steal work clothes, but whatever um well you know the crazy thing is i gotta tell this story because this is this is nuts so the guy I, i've got the gun in a zippered pouch case in my console and there's a clip in the gun um there's another loaded clip in that zippered case and, and there's a box of of ammo right there well well this nut that broke into my truck he unzips the case he leaves the case on my driver's seat he leaves the extra clip to the gun on the driver's seat. 
he doesn't take the extra box of bullets. He just takes the stinking gun and my work clothes. And on my dash, right on my dash in plain sight, was a pair of Vortex binos. Left them. Um, in my console was a, a bottle of prescription painkillers from when I was in the emergency room. Um, the doctor prescribed them to me, and I never took a one of them, so I still had the full bottle of prescription painkillers. That was worth more than the gun. Yeah, and he, and he left them. I mean, this, this guy, I mean... I'm just glad he set up to work for the rest of his life now because uh, I don't know how he was making it before. Uh, in all seriousness, seriousness, Don and I are both gun owners, and we understand the responsibility that comes with us. And trust me, there's nobody that feels worse than him that uh, a stolen pistol ended up out with people that don't need to have stolen pistols. So um, I appreciate all the criticism <laughs> and uh, coaching that was provided about leaving guns in your truck. Um, we'll just leave it at that, folks. Uh, just unfortunate situation that it just sucks. I mean, there there isn't anything other to say about it. Um, but you went hunting. Tell us about hunting. Well, I just I went to Iowa for one day. I, I got there, uh, you know, after dark one night uh, on this trip and. Um, I'm just so busy with consulting and, and on that Iowa farm, there's only one buck that I would shoot and he's not even living on that farm. I, I know where he's staying. He's staying on a neighboring property, but he's feeding on this farm. I hadn't had a daylight picture of him since early in the rut, you know, the second half of November and all through December, I didn't have a single daylight picture. So I knew my odds were very slim, but we had that cold front coming in and I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. So I went and pulled a bunch of tree stands, pulled all my cameras and I put one honey in that afternoon and drove home. Uh, but my Iowa uh, adventure is pretty much over for the year. And see you in four years. Is that pretty much? I, I don't know if I'll go back or not. I'm going to apply for the bonus Still tags good. and I, I just don't know. You know, the older I get, the more I like to, to sleep in my own bed every night. I like to hunt local bucks, you know, that I can go out anytime I want and check cameras or uh, scout or, or hunt. Um, those long-distance hunts, I'm just a little bit different than a lot of these guys that chase big deer, and, and you know, I, I just like to chase them in my own backyard. Well, but you got to step back and look at that from a bigger, uh, a broader window, though, and you're – much of your strategy and success has been around patterning, building a history, and not going in until the conditions are perfect. And when that's hours and hours and hours away, it creates a little bit more of a problem yep. versus you walking outside the front door and looking over to the top of the shed and seeing the windsock and saying, this is where I need to be today. Right. Um, so there's there's another layer of that that I think also plays into the point, and I think we're going to talk about some of your New Year's goals this year and, and wanting to uh, get a hunting property, another property here local is going to be part of that. So I think you're you're still going to put in for those points. Oh, I'll, I'll still put in for those points and if the right opportunity comes along. But, you know, at this point in my life, the, the consulting business has just absolutely exploded to the point where Wes and I together can't hardly keep up. And, yeah. uh, you know, last winter, um, I, I should have been scouting in Iowa, but I was out doing consulting jobs. And, and I put in, there's, I, I put in at least 15 trips to Iowa between putting cameras out, you know, last summer and, and hunting this fall. So I gave it a pretty fair effort, but you know, I, when I should have been there was last winter, right. and uh, I just didn't put the time in. So I've got nobody to blame myself, but I, I'm not bitter about it whatsoever. I mean, that's hunting. Yeah. You're never guaranteed success. Well, speaking of hunting, it rained all day here yesterday, and the creeks were already out of the banks before it started raining. 
Um, but there is a huge cold front coming in tonight, tomorrow, mm-hmm. chance of snow, which is the reason I'm in town. Um, I don't have a buck on my lease that I'm really interested in shooting. Tickled to death that um, I saw three over there that lived after shotgun season. But with uh, with a with a bow tag still in place, we're going to try to uh, get another one of these eight pointers killed off the farm here on your place this weekend. I'd say there's a pretty fair chance you're going to get it done. They should be moving good tomorrow. I mean, it's rained all day today. Still raining now after dark. Um, I think we didn't get any self pictures last night. So right, they the were, cell cameras were dead. They were dead. We did uh, we did go over to Springfield, Illinois today, and on the way back there were deer out in the fields mm-hmm. uh, coming back, but. Man, they were shut down all night, all day, and it's going to drop from – it's been, what, in the 50s and 60s? And, yeah. and it's going to be in the teens here uh, tomorrow uh, through – well, I guess tomorrow, early Monday. So the temperature is going to be dropping rapidly, and I have the perfect wind for probably one of the best spots on the farm as it comes mm-hmm. to um, transition from bedding to food. So we'll see what cut pops out tonight. Let's talk a little bit about your experience in Springfield today because we went <laughs> – <laughs> if you guys would have seen his the steam coming out of his ears today, um, <laughs> I can only imagine what it was when he walked out and saw his truck window bash. But we, uh, <laughs> since his rain gear got stolen, we had to go and try to find some more rain gear because he has – yeah, we had to cancel a consulting visit today mm-hmm. because it was pouring so much, and he doesn't have rain gear because he donated it to the Democrat. And uh, we went, we went to Shields. I'd never been to a Shields store before. We don't have those back home, and yeah, I, I went immediately to the gun section and was walking around. And Don came up after looking around for the rain gear, and I said, "You need a tactical twelve gauge." It's like this talked is, me into it, and talked him into it, and and you even tried to purchase one. I, I tried. I tried. They didn't want – and, you know, the, the Springfield Shields is absolutely – it's my favorite store. It's a fantastic store. Great people work there. Um, the problem that we ran into or I ran into was the laws in the state of Illinois regarding FOID cards. And for those of you who are not from Illinois and don't know what a FOID card is, it's a firearm owner's identification card. And you have to have them in Illinois to possess a gun, to buy a gun, to buy ammo even. And, uh, boy, I, I found a gun I wanted to buy, and I took it up to the counter, and I filled out the paperwork like this Democrat-run cesspool of a state requires. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just moved into this new house, and that changed my what address. What is it, 400 yards away? Yeah, just same property as my old house. <laughs> just, And uh, I made the mistake of putting my new address on the paperwork. The different mailbox, just... 400 yards apart. Same property, different address by one, two numbers. And, uh, well, I I ran into a problem because the address on my FOID card was different than the one on my application. And because of that, I was, they gave me a a little card. Oh, you're going to have to do this or this or this or this to pick up your gun. And I, I just don't, this is not the time of the year to be giving me extra stuff to do because I am, I'm just not home. And I thought, I just said, just give me my money back. And because it, it you uh, only have 30 days to, to, um, to pick up the gun. And there's a chance that you won't have that, all of that paperwork done with the yeah, state. So it's nothing against shields. It's nothing against the little lady that was behind the no. counter, even though, uh, when, when you said, listen, <laughs> 
Anyway, she was doing her job, um, but we can thank the – maybe it was the Democrats in the state of Illinois that told that guy to bust in your truck window. Well, I'll tell you what. If anybody's in Florissant, Missouri, and you see a guy walking down the street in, in rain gear, uh, real tree marsh camo like the duck hunters wear – and you, you can bet you better leave him alone because he's probably got a nine millimeter on his oh, side. Oh, jeez! All right, <laughs> that's that's rant number two for everybody that's that's keeping him. Uh, that wasn't even much of a rant. I'm gonna get fired up before this is over, though. <laughs> we, we'll have we'll have video proof of it all. Well, we but. got we got one question I selected here, Terry, that I left for the last for a reason. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Got a seminar coming up in Missouri. Um, yep. Why don't we talk about that and make sure people know about it, and we'll we'll be promoting it on social media also. Yeah, it'll be Monday evening, January 10th. Um, I'm going to be in Miller, Missouri, uh, real world dealer, Triple H Feeds. Uh, I'm going to give you the address of where this seminar is going to be. It's 4694 Lawrence 1185 in Miller, Missouri. Here's a phone number that you need to call, 417-733-4341. And here's the deal. Besides the seminar, these folks are going to have a free chili supper, free they're going to get the big cast iron pot out. Old school chili. Yeah, they're going to put it over a wood fire, free chili, and they said free ice cream and apple crunch for dessert on top of the seminar. So if you're anywhere within driving distance of Miller, Missouri, I don't know how what the entertainment's going to be like. It may be boring as can be when you hear me talk, but the food's going to be good. Yeah, it might so, be worth coming for the chili. Yeah, and it, if you would, call ahead. They need to know how many pots of chili to make. They said they got three big old cast iron pots. Uh, two of them are 30 gallons apiece. One of them's 40 gallons. They're going to be That's a lot of chili. They're going to be cooking chili by the 55-gallon barrels for you people. Come on out. Uh, be sure and call that number again. If you, if you plan to attend, just to help these folks have enough food, call 417 417- Seven three three, four three four one, and I hope to see you there. All right, um, Triple H feeds, um, but please again, like Don said, give him a call. Um, I don't know, you got anything else before we talk about? Well, I had another rant. Okay, okay. Well, what's this one about? Well, on my on my uh, consulting trips this week, I had one property um, in Pike County, Illinois. And anybody that's listening is, knows the history of Pike County. It's one of the most renowned places on the planet for big deer. And 25 years ago, it was it was super. Uh, but the state of Illinois ruined it. It's I mean, the property I was on had some of the best whitetail habitat I've ever seen anywhere. But the lack of deer, and there was some deer sign, don't get me wrong, but the lack of deer sign in that area, um, it just astounded me. I mean, 20 years ago, I guarantee you there'd have been booners on that property year after year after year. And today it's a disaster. Pike County is living on its past reputation. Um, The state of Illinois, the Illinois DNR and their mismanagement has destroyed a natural resource. It's, it's. Pike County is just one example of it. Oh, yeah. It's the whole I mean, state, really. The, the whole state has suffered from it. You know, I'm an out-of-state hunter, and just for an, for example, after the EHD outbreak of 2012 on the east side of the state, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I, I truly believe 70% of the deer herd was gone. Mm-hmm. 
at least in my area. And the next year, I could still buy two out-of-state deer tags. That That's ridiculous. That all, all it became was a revenue stream form that they didn't want to lose, and we're lucky that it's taken this long to even somewhat come back. And I don't know that it'll ever come back. Um, you know, we can get on the crossbow tangents and all the other things that they've done to to try to promote not not – conservation not deer management but promote revenue from outdoorsmen and i think that's the biggest difference is when you're promoting revenue from outdoorsmen that's lobbied from everybody you know everybody makes money when there's deer more deer hunters right yeah it's it's just another example of illinois liberal crooked politics that's all it is they've sold it out and and you know uh, Let's move on because I'm just going to get Well, let's, let's get you fired up about something else. How about all these idiots that argued with you about it on social media? With not only that, but the, but the truck break-in. Folks, I want, I, I want to just say something real quick. I monitor now four or five different Facebook or social media pages. You can get on there and be a self-proclaimed expert on whatever you want and offer your opinion and your insight and i'll let it go i might sarcastically respond back to you because that's who i am you guys know me by now but the minute you curse or swear on any page that i monitor you're the comments immediately going to get deleted you're going to get a private message asking you not to do it and if it continues again you're getting deleted but I'm just I'm I'm about at my wits end. If it wasn't for businesses that we're affiliated with and trying to connect with our listeners, I'd be the furthest away from social media of anybody out there. You know what? I only had to block one guy this week. It was a good week for me. Um, <laughs> I, I had one clown that thought it was funny that my truck got broke into, and you know why he thought it was funny, and and I deserved it. Because of my stance on mechanical broadheads, because I he, he must be a mechanical broadhead fan. He's got to be because because of my stance that he disagrees with. It, it's a great thing that my truck was broken into and things were stolen from me. Yeah, and then there's another guy that that made a comment that was out of line that I talked to, and and I talked to the guy. And here's the thing: we've raised this generation in society to where. I have it's what's called keyboard courage. There's no repercussion of anything you say. Back when I was a kid, if you said half the stuff that these kids post on social media, you'd have your nose broke. And there's no repercussion of anything. And I'm all for this podcast is about saying it like it is. I have no problem with saying it like it is. But people don't spend the time to articulate their comment to where it's easily understood or what they're trying to get to. And another guy flat out, I, I, I bet I talked to him on and off for almost an hour, and what he meant isn't what he said or how it was perceived, and then he got mad because I questioned it. So it's another example. Of, you know, you, you guys that are all over social media have at it, but um, I'm just warning you. You be respectful, and if you swear or curse on anything that I'm monitoring, you're gonzo. That's it. I ran over. Ran over. Let's go on to the – we're going to have Wayne Keller uh, on for the buyafarm.com property of the week. Buyafarm.com is your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. Now, here is Don Higgins with this week's featured property. 
Hey, everybody. We're here with Wayne Keller, co-owner of buyafarm.com, who's going to go through our featured property of the week. Wayne, what do you have for us? Uh, we've got a 355-acre piece down in Williamson County, Illinois. Uh, this piece of ground is partially tillable, uh, wooded. Uh, it has river frontage on two sides, and the property is secluded. There's about a three-mile uh, a little over three mile road going back to the property. It's just a small gravel road, but it is a public road. Uh, it's a good hunting property. I've seen a lot of deer on the property. There's cropland for for income. Uh, there's a shallow water lake on the property that they use for waterfowl hunting. Uh, there's another about an eight acre pond that they drain in the summer uh, to get smart weed grow up in it and then reflood it for the geese and ducks and so forth. And uh, the property is priced at 3,100 an acre. And uh, like I said, it's at north end of Williamson County, just south of Ziegler, Illinois. And uh, just an awesome hunting property. Well, Wayne, and, I, I know that uh, Wayne, we, I know that your the properties when you search on your all's website have um, they search by county. What county did you say this mm -hmm. is in again? This is in Williamson County, Illinois. Okay, so for the people who don't live around Illinois, give us a geography of where that's at in the state. Uh, that's kind of, this property is just a little bit northwest of Marion, Illinois. Okay. And uh, near the little town of Ziegler, right north of Heron, Illinois. And uh, if you want to look it up on the website, go to buyafarm.com. And uh, if you want, you can click on the profiles and click my own profile, Wayne Keller, and it'll come up under me. Or you can just go in and search for Williamson County properties, and it'll pop up either way. All right. So it sounds and, like uh, a real secluded property, either a great hunting and recreational property or somebody that's wanting to get away from the busy busy city life and, and work from remote. Um, good property for that, too. Right. Plus, it's got the income. And if if anybody wants to reach me, they can reach me at uh, 800-357-4020. All right, I got to ask, did you pick that number? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> tell, us, <laughs> I tell, us, tell, tell us why that number is, is, is kind of interesting. Well, I was out on an appointment one day, and a farmer, I asked him if he needed my business card. He said, no, I'll always remember that number. I said, why that? And he said, that's a free gun and a tractor. 800's toll free. 357's a gun and 4020's my John Deere tractor. All right. So, and I've had that repeated to me a couple of times. <laughs> so 1-800-357-4020. So yeah. remember that number. I want to thank Wayne and all of his partners for the um, support of the podcast. You guys were the ones that stood behind us when we first got started. Your all support means the world to us. And we ask that all of our listeners, if you're interested in this property, go out to buyafarm.com or follow them on their social media platforms to learn more information about what they can provide you to get you in touch with recreational properties. Wayne, thank you for joining us, buddy. Hey, thank you, Terry. Have a good one. See ya. All right, we want to thank Biofarm for staying with us again. Uh, they're still a very vital part and. um you know, the biggest thing that's exciting for me is the biofarm owners are going to try to even take it up beyond just properties that they're featuring, but to also give tools because there's people listening to this in Rhode Island and New Hampshire and Georgia that are considering buying property. And these agents that deal with recreational properties might be able to provide different insights that's going to be even 
beneficial to even those who aren't in the market for this area where biofarms pretty much at? Yeah, I mean, you know, biofarms for owners all bring something different to the table. And, uh, you know, we're going to learn from all four of these guys is uh, not only they share properties, but they share their knowledge with us in the coming year. I want to go trapping with Todd Hewing. I should have made that as a uh, – <laughs> Cause he was, he said he was as muddy as that coyote that he drug out of the mud today, and uh, that was pretty muddy. So I, I want to experience that just one time. Well, I'll tell you what, Todd is an animal. I, I remember one of the first times I met him years ago. I met him on the internet of all places, and then met him in person. And uh, one of the first times I was ever with Todd in his truck, a brand new truck too, brand new. This guy is harder on equipment than anybody I've ever <laughs> met in my life. This guy will take a brand new truck. And I'm telling you what, it, it won't even be a week old, and he'll drive that thing through the woods 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and really? we was driving in southern Illinois on a property he owned down there in Wayne County, and, and we was along this drainage ditch slash river. And, and I'm telling you what, I looked out my window, and it was straight down about 60 feet to the water. And I mean straight down. And if he would have went over six inches, I think we'd have rolled quit of the bottom, I think. And it's in a brand-new truck, and we got tree branches smacking us in the <laughs> Dragging down the side and everything else. Um, he's an animal. So all the team at Victory Chevrolet, if you get a call from a guy named Todd Hewing wanting to buy a new <laughs> truck, just uh, <laughs> say yeah. none's available right now because that one being returned in 12 months, yeah, uh, it, maybe not, not a good gonna idea. It's not going to be a, a good deal for Victory. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got, uh, we got four questions picked out. Uh, I want to thank everybody for sending the questions. We are getting – Awesome questions, and it's hard to choose sometimes, but um, I can assure you putting Let's Go Brandon at the end of the question doesn't necessarily bump you up, but it does make us laugh. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about yeah. the questions that you've picked out Terry, this week. I, th I think this week we had more good questions than we have ever had in a single week, and it was hard. I picked out four, and I'll tell you what, I could have easily picked out ten just from this week. I'm talking really good ones. Um, but the first one comes from Jason Hesselberg. From Saline, Michigan. So, uh, just in, um, in in interest of full disclosure, I was at Jason's property in Michigan uh, a little over a week ago and uh, did a consulting job there. So, Jason says, Don, I would like to thank you for coming to consult and walking my property with me when you were in Michigan a few weeks ago. I have shot many big bucks from 140 to 175 inches in my life, but most were only three and a half to four and a half years old. After listening to the podcast and your talk about setting goals and taking the next step up in class as a deer hunter, I decided that this year I was going to set new goals and only shoot five and a half year old or older bucks. It was extremely it was an extremely down year for me this year as I could not find any bucks that were more than three to four years old between three states, Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan. For the last three years, I have been contemplating back and forth if I should or, or not have you do a consultation on my farm to see your recommendations. And after having you here, it was well worth it, and I wish I would have did it a few years ago. You gave me some game-changing ideas, and you put a plan together that I had never thought of or heard of before anywhere, including on the Internet or on a podcast or in any book. And I believe that these things will take me to the next level. Well, Jason, right out before I move on, I'm going to say uh, you know how to write a, a, a submission that gets selected for uh, for reading. <laughs> so uh, he says, I have two questions for you that I forgot to ask while you were here. 
First is the unkillable buck or nocturnal buck that you hear people talk about. Do you believe that is true? And are there bucks out there that are only nocturnal and just do not move during daylight hours? Or do people think it's nocturnal because they're putting too much pressure on their property or the buck is not living on their property and by the time reaches their property, it's dark? Second question is about thermals. I have heard that thermals over and near water will rise and take your scent up and away from the hunter. Do you ever put specific stand site setups next to water to take advantage of these thermals? P.S. If anyone's thinking about having Don do a consult on their farm, just do it. It could change your hunting forever. Well, I want to throw in right there that Don is booked for this winter and has already started a list for next year. And uh, I appreciate the fine words. It's there, getting Jason. to the point that Terry's going to end up having to do some. Em- I think Terry's <laughs> going to emer- become a consultant. Emergency uh, consulting jobs for Don. But, uh, can't get to him. So the first question is the unkillable buck or the nocturnal buck. And Jason, I think you hit it right on the head at the end of uh, of that paragraph where you say uh, they're, they're putting too much pressure on the property and the buck is not living on that property. That's why I preach human intrusion so much or freedom of human intrusion is you know, a buck, guys think a buck's nocturnal because they're only getting his picture at night, but what if he was on the next property over where the deer was bedded down for the day? He, he's not nocturnal there. Um, yeah, I mean, in that in that case, I really think that that buck is not bedding on you. If he's, yep. it, It's like your buck in Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard, oh, this buck is just nocturnal? Well, no, he's probably getting up as long as he's not getting pushed. Right. And he's just... One, two, three, four properties over, depending on how he's traveling for his home range. If I would have had permission in Iowa on the neighboring property from the one I was on, I would have put a lot more effort in Iowa. But I was I was on the property where the deer did a lot of feeding, a lot of ag fields and such. He was not betting on that property. I knew he wasn't, and I knew my odds of killing him were very slim, and, and that's what happens, you know. As far as unkillable bucks, I think most bucks are unkillable on certain properties but if you can gain access to a property where a buck beds he's killable all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit further into jason's question for you because i guarantee you that a very high percentage of our listeners have bucks that they've only gotten pictures of in the night Mm -hmm. okay how do i we identify where he's coming are you just putting more trail cameras on your property trying to see what direction he's coming from you know because i might have his picture to rope scrape or if I'm in a bait state at mineral or feed a feeder, but I don't know which direction he's coming from. Are you just moving cameras to the perimeter of your property to see where he's coming from and then go from there? Pretty much like the Iowa buck, you know, I've had a suspicion where he was probably coming from just based on the cover uh, and terrain in that area. And um, there was a, a pretty obvious travel route between the two properties and that's where I had a camera. Well, in the evening, I would get his picture coming from where I suspected he was betting, and it would be after dark, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. And then in the morning, I would get him going the other direction, and it was always before daylight, you know, 4 or 5 in the morning. So it that it made it real obvious, uh, you know, when he was coming by the camera and which direction he was coming from um, that so he was staying elsewhere in open ag. It's a little bit easier to identify that because if he's coming from the West and there's a patch of woods over there to the West, that's probably where he's coming from in big hill country, a lot of timber that mm-hmm. gets a little bit more tricky. You got to kind of, you might end up having to use more cameras to f- try to figure out where he's coming from. For sure. Yep. All right. Great question. And uh, way to suck up Jason. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're getting a free T-shirt out of that, Jason. He had a second question though, about thermals over water. Um, everything I do as far as stand location is based on the wind. And Jason, you know from the stand locations that I picked when I was on your place that uh, you were always hunting the edge. We always got that scent blown out. And if you've got a body of water uh, where you can put that scent over that water, um, that's fantastic. Um, as far as thermals rising over the water, I've heard that before. To be honest, I don't have a whole lot of experience hunting over a, around a lake or a large body of water, but uh, you know I can tell you that especially when you get on on heavily pressured areas like where you're at in Michigan um, or public hunting ground anywhere, um, those bucks are going to use the cover to their advantage. So in other words, they're not they're not going to just cut through the middle of a section of cover. They're going to run that edge, and if that edge goes clear out to the water, they're going to get as close to that water as they can. And uh, that's where you got to be. You got to put your scent out where they can't get it. They obviously can't walk on water, and they're probably not going to swim out there to get around you. But uh, you, you can use that body of water and, and the wind direction to to really help you out. Yep, I agree. So, all right, all right. The next question comes from Nathan Brown from Carrollton, Illinois. Um, Nathan says, "We need a review of your season. What type of deer did you pass? Age, estimated score, how many?" Top five dates you hunted this season, and what did you learn? You want to go first, Terry? Well, um, I think this is a loaded question because neither one of us really had a giant to go after, so we didn't hunt as much. We, we were a little bit more strategic. I guess if this would have been me 10 years ago, I would have said, okay, well, something might show up. I'm going just sitting in the stand, putting all that pressure on it, and then I know nothing's going to come up. Um, I've been more hands-off this year, hunting more strategically for a buck that I wanted to maybe kill as a management buck, going down to a different property on the river bottom where I ended up killing that uh, wounded buck at. Um, I passed – I've talked about it on the podcast. I've killed a buck that's high 50s, around 60s. He's a four-year-old. We we know we have a history with him. Um, I think I passed him four times. Passed another couple of deer in the 40s. Uh, I don't know. You you can. I don't know how much you want to talk about what I passed here, but if you want to talk about that, I can. You can, but that's up to you. It's your farm. Well, um, I'll I'll jump in with mine. <laughs> yeah. Um. Very similar to what Terry just described is I knew I didn't have a target buck found, but I had a lot of nice four-year-olds found. And uh, there's a couple of them that were right there at the 170 mark that uh, I could have shot and did not. Um, I passed some bucks in the 150s, but here's the important thing is that I think a lot of guys, if they were in our shoes, Terry, where they didn't have a target buck, they would still go out and put pressure on properties and if you know that you you don't have a shooter there and, and some of those guys those big name hunters that have the multiple properties in states like iowa northern missouri you know they may have a dozen or 20 or who, who knows how many different farms um you know what makes them guys so successful is is they know when to hunt and when not to and if there is not a shooter buck on that farm they are not going in that year and you can educate a buck before he's even big enough that you want to target him. And that's why those guys are so successful. And, and I'm doing the same thing. And, you know, I, I don't own a bunch of properties. I only own one, but I've got permission on a bunch of, of little pieces. 
And if I know that there's a shooter buck or a potential shooter buck next year or the year after, the last thing I want to do is go in there and bump him and educate him that, hey, this is the spot where there's hunters. I want him to continue to use that like nobody's there. And I'll, I may have my stands ready. They may, stand may be there, but the last thing I want to do is go in there and bump that deer and educate him that, hey. Even as a three-year-old or a two-year-old, exactly. whatever, um, you know, it's just the, the hardest thing it is for me is, is a, a lot of people make these comments. It must be nice to be in your shoes, whether it's mine or Don's. If people only knew how much alike we were to everybody else, guys, I hunt a 30-acre piece of property. Don has a little over 100. My family's home farm is a little over 100. Um, We're more like you guys than you think as far as the access we have to it. But in a situation like this year, um, I think I hunted my home farm a total of five times and three of them was with the Lester's feet winner just because there wasn't one there that I was willing to shoot. And, um, you know, I I think that the, the difference in my approach now than what it was 10 years ago is I used to think I only have a very limited amount of time. I I hunt on vacation. Um, I, I only have certain days that I'm allowed to hunt. I have to be in the woods. Um, when you, when you get to the point, you understand what mature bucks are doing you save those days for when the time is right and then go in and you have a, you have more success that way. You just, people don't realize how much just sitting there hoping something shows up is probably hurting them. Yeah. I I get sick of these guys that think that I've got a totally different uh, situation than they will ever experience in their life because I I absolutely, I started with nothing. Uh, There's a podcast that uh, we did where I pretty much told my story, you know, and, dirt poor from the beginning um everything i've got i paid for and i earned it um with that said it it, it's the approach that that i've taken that has allowed me the success it's i i wasn't given success because i own multiple hunting properties um i i own a hunting property basically because of of how hard i work to get it yep and anybody, I say it all the time, anybody can do what I've done, anybody. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hunt less now than I ever have. Each season I, I hunt <laughs> less now than I ever have, but four of my top five bucks have been killed in the last five seasons. I'm hunting less than ever, and I'm killing the biggest bucks You're spending more time preparing. Exactly. Your, your, time, yep. your time has shifted from seat time in a stand to preparing, scouting, you know, management tactics, finding new properties, running cameras, identifying where these where these animals are. But um, it's it's what this podcast is about, and, and we're going to go off on this here in just a, a few short minutes. This podcast is about trying to teach people why these animals, once they get five and a half year old, they're different. And, and until you accept that fact, it's the luck of the draw whether you're in the right place at the right time or not. Mm-hmm. And hope you don't burn it out and blow everything out. We, we, after we got back from your uh, attempt to buy a shotgun today, you know, we had two hours right before dark and we even talked about it all. Well, with that wind, we can slip down and and climb up into the blind since we saw deer out. Yeah. But if I blow four does out of that up into the bedding and alert that, what did I just prove? It's going to do more harm than the slim chance. Something good's going to happen. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how we're different. Um, when you really look at it, it's not our property. 
It's not, it's not the, it might be the state we live in. Granted, you know, South Georgia is different than the Midwest and Illinois. Mm-hmm. I get that part. Um, but, you know, this, this whole thing that we're, you know, must be nice, must be nice. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Must be nice to work. I mean, there's a guy in St. Louis that he's working now because of yeah. us. So. Yeah. He's got a free pair of bibs. He does. Next question comes from Garrett Voliva. I hope I said your name right, Garrett. Um, he's from Blounts Creek, North Carolina. Garrett says, Don and Terry, I enjoy the podcast. I've heard you speak about saving trail camera photos for future reference. How do you store them? Is there a program or app to help with this? How do you organize your photos by area camera or each deer separately? How many photos of each deer do I need to retain? Thanks for everything you guys are doing. Well, Garrett, I've mentioned this on here a time or two, but it's worth repeating that uh, the software I use is Reconyx called Buckview Software. Um, I, I save my, my photos by camera location. So uh, when you save them, that software will automatically put them in chronological order as they were taken. Um, how many should you save? I, I think if it's a buck that you want to harvest, you should save at least one photo of every series of photos. Every time that buck comes by the camera and gets a, you get a series of photos, you should save at least one. You're saying there, if you got it on three-round bursts, you don't need to save all three of them. Right. But you want that time stamp of when he went through there for a yearly pattern. Yep, exactly. I'm just making you clarify that. Okay. Um, so that's how I do it. I, I think when you try to do it, you try to save those photos by individual deer, um, you run into some different issues. Um, you know, do you remember where every camera you hung was at? When, when you're saving them by camera location, you can see, okay, well, I got this buck's picture at this location. I got his picture at that location. And then you can go back and look at previous years. Well, there he was the year before at that same location on the same day even. So, you know, that's how you put those patterns together. Um, the... I think you can go to the Reconyx website and download that software for free. It's called Buckview. And to be honest, I've used it with a bunch of different brands of cameras. So I don't think it, it's just for Reconyx cameras. I think you can use it with just about any brand of camera. Yeah, the the, the other th- nice thing about the Buckview software is it has basically a play function. So, um, you know, especially with some of the file sizes of trail camera pictures getting bigger if you're opening it up in like a photo uh, viewer and hitting your arrow key to toggle from picture to picture to picture the speed you end up getting a lag the nice thing about Reconyx, uh you just hit play and just kind of keep your mouse over the pause button and when you see something you want to see you just pause it it almost plays all the pictures like a movie that's my favorite feature about the software but you can do what that is doing with folders on your computer. You can make mm-hmm. a folder directory on your computer that says rope scrape south southeast corner of whatever farm and then save all of those. But um, uh, the thing that's been most important to me over the last few years is knowing when he was there. So Don and I talked the other day. Uh, I pulled cards on three cameras here in Illinois on the way up. And what dates did I say? I have it written down over, um, but the 17th, no, the 18th, 19th, and 20th this year. Of November. Of November. I had more daylight pictures of mature bucks Mm -hmm. those three days, which was obviously they were back up 
you know, after lockdown, looking for their next, looking for their next deer, uh, doe in heat, covering a lot of ground. I'm going to make sure that I know that, um, you know, where they're at different times because we know where one of them's bachelor in. So now I got two pieces of the puzzle put together on that specific deer that we'll be targeting next year. Uh-huh. Good question. Yep. Thanks, Garrett. Our next uh, question comes from Caleb Cook from Camp Point, Illinois. This is a good one, folks. Caleb, Caleb might not love the podcast after this. Caleb says, Don, first, I love the podcast. I listen every week. But I have a question for you to consider. Every year, you offer a master class for hunting giants. To me, a master class sounds like something for more experienced and seasoned hunters, similar to advanced classes at a university. I have heard you talk about the negative impact on hunting because of it becoming a overpressured rich man sport. And in my experience, the rich man is usually the most inexperienced. I also believe the rich man relies on their ability to acquire better hunting ground and purchase hunting information. I have listened to the live podcast from your master class, and there was a couple of guys who attended that said this was their first year or two of hunting when asking questions. I'm assuming that they were well off because your class cost considerably more than a class at a university. I feel as if you are catering to the rich man and thus bringing even more people into the already crowded hunting industry. I understand your passion for helping others and I appreciate your genuine honesty, but I also feel like you are hurting me by helping them. Would you consider putting an experience limit on your master class attendees? I truly do not mean to be an ass, and I love the podcast. Let's go, Brandon. P.S. Sorry about your truck. I hope you recover your belongings. Well, Caleb, you're going to get a free T-shirt, and you're either going to wear it with pride or you're going to use it for toilet paper when I get done here. Um, I do I do appreciate the fact that you have the guts to ask a question like that. I would rather you come and ask a question like that then you be one of these clowns that badmouth me and say things that are not even true, like I, I shoot pin deer, I turn pin deer out and shoot them. At least you have the guts to put your name on a question and submit it, and that's a whole lot more than I can say for a few people. So I do commend you on that. Now, to answer your question, I want to ask you something, Caleb. <laughs> have, have you ever heard of the Illinois Whitetail Alliance? How about the Illinois Bowhunter Society? So for many, many years, it started with the Illinois Bowhunter Society. I was a director for the Illinois Bowhunter Society. And, and as a director, I, I gave up a lot of Saturdays. I made many trips to Springfield to testify in front of the legislature. I met with legislators on uh, new um, bills to improve the hunting in Illinois. In 2011... Um, or the summer of 2012, our state was hit with EHD and wiped out the deer herd in much of the state. Right after that, deer hunters across the state of Illinois were boo-hooing and crying and whining that the state needed to do something. A handful of guys, including me, started the Illinois Whitetail Alliance. And you know what it cost to join the Whitetail Alliance, Caleb? It didn't cost a freaking penny. All you had to do was go and sign up on the website free of charge. And you know how many people did it? Almost none. Maybe 100 people in the entire freaking state signed up. 
And uh, I spent my my I spent decades trying to make this state of Illinois better for every single deer hunter in the state. It didn't matter if you hunted with a bow or a gun. I, I worked my butt off, and so did a lot of other people. Not a lot, but a handful. Guys like Todd Ewing, guys like Kevin Chapman from Blue Mound, um, Tim Walmsley from Decatur, Mike Howie from uh, up by Danville. The list goes Alex McAdams from Jacksonville. There is a handful of guys that gave up their Saturdays time after time after time to help a bunch of people that wouldn't even join a free organization in the state to make things better. That is why the state of Illinois has turned into a cesspool. That's why the DNR has got away with mismanaging this deer herd. That's why, this, as I mentioned earlier, Pike County is nothing but an, an overhyped, um, not even average deer hunting place anymore. It, it's because of deer hunters in this state that would not even join a free organization. They would get on the internet and they would bitch and moan about how bad things are, and they won't even join a free organization. I spent decades, as did a few others, going to Springfield, giving up my time to make it better for everyone. And, and I, when you say that I'm turning this into a rich man's sport, Caleb, when I was doing that, I had a regular job. I was only getting off on weekends, and a lot of times I'd get one day off a week and I was spending that one day off a week going to Springfield to try to help every deer hunter in this state, and it got me nowhere, nowhere. So at some point, I gave up. And uh, I gave up, and I decided it's time to chase my dreams. Nobody else cared. Uh, not even 1% of the deer hunters in this state cared at all. But the, the, the handful it did just kept you know, beating our heads on the wall and kept going to these meetings and, and kept meeting with legislators and kept trying to change things and it never happened and you know why because we had a bunch of people a bunch of deer hunters in this state that wouldn't do anything nothing at all except get on the internet and complain and, and cry and moan about this and that so to say that i have turned this into a rich man's sport is absolutely as inaccurate as it could possibly be i probably done as much as just about anyone there's a few guys like kevin chapman for example from Blue Mound. Great guy. He has dedicated so many hours to trying to help the Illinois deer hunters that it's more than I have even, that it's it's unbelievable. And uh, you can blame me for trying to turn it into a rich man's sport. That's not what happened at all. This became a rich man's sport way before I took that, that path. And uh, I don't even think that I've taken that path. I am still to this day trying to help the average everyday deer hunter. And, in fact, I've got something in the works this year that's going to be a whole lot cheaper than my master course to help anybody that wants to become a better deer hunter. So, again, I do applaud you for having the guts to send such a question, but I think you're way off base. I'm going to jump in a little bit. Okay. The, the first thing I took <laughs> away from the question was the assumption that because two guys stood up in front of a live podcast and said we just started um, – that showed the demographic of what your master class is. Um, it's just, it's another assumption because of social media that somebody, you know, comes to the conclusion of four when two plus two didn't get there in the first place. We do have several parents or spouses or whatever that buy the master class as a Christmas. We've had an anniversary present here 
And I know exactly some of the ones that he maybe is talking about where they said, and what it was, was, was it a dad or a grandpa? I think it was a dad brought his son that had just started hunting and it, they were doing father son time. Mm-hmm. So to say that uh, it's inexperienced hunter, I think is very off base. I think the, the, the majority of people that are come to the class are very skilled outdoorsmen that haven't figured it out that want to, to make it better. The, uh, the, the thing that kind of irks me about the whole thing is we're trying to teach people how a mature buck acts different so that you can target a mature buck. We're trying to teach people that there isn't uh, a quick way to get there. We're trying to teach people that this industry is full of gimmicks. When we actually talk about a company or a product, it's vetted out and we believe in it. And that means, folks, that means something in today's industry. And, and we're trying to teach people, set a goal, stay to it, and quit shooting every daggone big three-year-old out there. Give him a chance. And if you think that hurts you, uh, I, I don't know what helps you. If, if you <laughs> – I don't know. But, but, but here's, here's the thing, Caleb. We're, we're trying to do the right thing for the industry and people who align with what our goals are. Our goals are to shoot mature bucks every year, world-class deer. And uh, and help people get that and get to their dreams, whether they want to come to the master class, whether they want to hire Dong for a consultant, whether they want to listen to this podcast. We hope that any of those outlets are helping do that. It's not to screw somebody over that um, calls someone else the rich man, because um, I, I always have a problem with somebody calling me a rich man, because when you work for every single dime that you had, my parents used to have to put my winter coat on layaway. I came from absolutely nothing, a minister's family, and I worked my tail off to put myself through college, get a master's degree, and <laughs> I can tell other people, people don't realize how hard we work. I got three jobs, people. I get four hours of sleep a night. It, it, it is what it is. We're not, we're not going to ever prove the haters wrong. But um, we, we we apologize for getting defensive sometimes. But doggone it, it pisses us off. Well, it's you know we're we're trying to help people, and and I think there's assumptions made that just aren't accurate. And uh, you know, as far as the rich man, I, I shared my story on on this podcast. I don't remember the number. I would tell you when my wife and I were first married, we were so stinking poor that we had our electricity shut off multiple times. We had our phone shut off multiple times. There was more than once I brought home a paycheck, and there was a stack of bills on the table that we couldn't pay a third of them, and my wife had to decide, am I going to pay these bills or am I going to go buy groceries? And, uh, I mean, I started with absolutely nothing, and I've been extremely blessed and uh, to, to today, but you got to remember, I'm almost 60 years old. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was dirt poor. I'm fairly well off today, but it was decades and decades of work. And, and I don't know how old Caleb is. But I, I'm assuming he's a pretty young guy because, uh, you know, it's just, it just it seems like this is the mentality that our society has gone to where everybody thinks that, you, you know, people get out of school and they think uh, – they get a job and they think, I need to be the CEO. They don't want to start at the bottom and work their way up to each level in a company. They want to be the CEO. And uh, they want to work at McDonald's and they think they need 15, 20 bucks an hour to work at McDonald's. 
And, and this is the Democrat liberal garbage that just goes on in this country. And, and it's a mindset. And, and I, I bet you Caleb is a good, hardworking young man. And he, he's, I don't think he's a Democrat because he actually came out and asked the question. Yeah, and he also uh, said, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, so, so there you he, go. He's probably a I really – I think he's a good guy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave this topic with this, Caleb, and for all of our other listeners. We asked you guys to pray about uh, what we were going to do with this podcast this year, and it was heavy for both of us as far as what to do about sponsors. Um, and I'll flat out say it. We, we were approached with um, a direct competitor to one of our longtime sponsors – that flat out we could have made a lot of money uh, by taking the deal. And we said no. It, it wasn't even a question for us. So I hope that the way that we're reacting to this question not only um, helps you understand where we're coming from, um, but, but also helps you relate a little bit to our real goal in this is to help people. If you don't think that us trying to start Lester's Feet if us using this platform to do good um, is is the real motive behind this versus, you know, play to a bunch of country club people that want to become deer hunters, um, you, you've got the total wrong image of us. So I, I hope you understand our, our uh, lengthy animated answer to your question. <laughs> and... Thanks for submitting that, Caleb. You're going to get a, a free T-shirt. And, I hope you wear it instead of wipe your butt with it. <laughs> well, me too. So there is there is one thing we're gonna we're gonna close out the podcast here in a little bit. There is one thing um, we're gonna we're gonna for those of you watching on YouTube, we're gonna take a tour of here of the trophy room here in a minute. There was one thing that you said that earlier that I want you to come back and touch on. That was an observation of the week. And that was the number of stands versus the quality of stands. And and why don't you just close out this podcast on something positive that, that is something that everybody can relate to because I think the other misconception a lot of people have is, oh, I need 25 tree stands on 30 acres, and um, it's, it's not really about that. You know, I, I think my consulting clients and the fact that I get to go on a different property and, and a lot of times in different states – day after day after day for several months of the winter gives me a pretty unique perspective on uh, well, deer hunters across the country, how cultures might change from one state to another. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed lately is, is that with my consulting clients, they expect, or, or not all of them, some of them expect that I'm going to come to their property and let's say they've got a 200-acre property. They're, they're going to expect that on 200 acres I should have 15 or 20 tree stands. And on some properties, maybe they will, but it's way more important to have quality tree stands that you you absolutely have a chance to kill the best buck on the property in that stand. And, and there's probably not going to be twenty of them. It, it might there might be eight. There might be four. Um, Based I, on access and wind. Exactly. That that's the two keys right there. Access. If you don't have good access, you do not have a good stand site. And if you can't hunt the wind, you do not have a good stand site. So I, I just see it, you know, on a fairly regular basis. That, And that tells me that people who are not my clients are probably experiencing the same thing. They think, I've got X number of acres. I should have X number of tree stands. And that is absolutely not the case at all. 
um, you might have 200 acres and have two good tree stands or even I've got properties that I hunt where I've got one stand and sometimes that one stand might require a weird wind like an east wind well you can go in and try to force the issue and put up extra stands all you're doing is ruining your chances for when you do get that east wind and uh, I'm glad you brought that that up Terry because uh, that's something that I see on a pretty regular basis is just because you got X number of acres doesn't mean you need X number of tree stands. A little tip for all of the uh, non-rich guys that want to hunt. There you Uh, go. All right. Well, we're going to go out with our sponsors. Stay tuned for those of you uh, watching on YouTube. We're going to take a little tour around Don's Trophy Room. Again, thank you all. Uh, We're coming up on 100 episodes. We're at 98. Yep. We haven't figured out what to do for our 100th episode yet, but my wife is very adamant that we do something. So I'm not sure if you got it. If you got an idea for us uh, to use, uh, we'll be back on the remote video next week. Uh, I believe Don's probably going to be on the road in a hotel room, and uh, we'll try to, try to put some great content for you together for next week. Again, um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have but- a great week. Chasing Giants has been brought to you by Osseo Camo, by a farm real estate company. 360 Hunting Blinds, Victory Chevrolet, Real World Wildlife Products, Matthews Archery, Novix Tree Stands, Gingerich Tree Farm, WildlifeFarming.com, Quiet Cat, and Vortex Optics. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week for another episode of Chasing Giants. Hey everybody, we just finished the podcast and giving you a quick uh, uh, tour of my trophy room. Um, This wall behind me, you see my desk and and what a mess it is, but uh, these are some of my earlier bucks. Um, My very first buck I ever shot when I was 16 years old right here, uh, 1979, right next to him is my first bow kill in 1981. Uh, You can see some of these are just a year and a half old dinks, so... uh, you know, I started shooting a year and a half old bucks just like everyone else. Um, this wall has got uh, the, the most deer heads on it. Uh, you know, these are, some of them are, are really old, some of them are fairly recent. Uh, just a, a lot of different bucks. Um, just about every one of these on this whole wall is a bow kill except for this one right over here in the corner. That's the only one on this whole wall that was shot with a gun. Um, then over here on the, on the last wall is my top five. Um, these five bucks average 205 inches. Um, like I said on the podcast, four of those were killed in the last five years. Uh, this is the Joey buck. Um, video on this buck or of this buck on my uh, YouTube channel. You can see the story there. What did um, he score? Joey scored 185. This is uh, Smokey. Smokey scored 206. Uh, video footage uh, of that hunt and uh, you know a lot of history well, with uh, Smokey on a video on my YouTube channel. Here's Mel, the buck I shot uh, last season. First buck I shot last season. Um, 
scored uh, gross scores 221 he nets 197 and uh, some eights there's is, no good angle to get everything on that deer <laughs> no he is uh, the number six all-time Pope and Young typical um, right below him is my first 200 inch deer shot in 2004 uh, this buck officially scored 214 and then uh, here in the corner is the buck I called Trump Trump uh, scored 193 so uh, those would be my top five.